Jim? Jim? Hey, uh, you around here? Yeah, I'm going to take that as a no. So how about I just fly solo on this episode of Graphic Content? Stay a while and listen. He called you a cowboy. What in Sam Hill? What did he mean? What are you? I'm the abomination, the strongest mutant of all. Know this, swimming bird. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. This blue eye perceives all things conjoined. I cared much for the word impregnable. The past. Sounds a bit too much like unsinkable. The future. What's wrong with unsinkable? Nothing. And the present. As the iceberg said to the Titanic. Trap, how's life? He seems nice. Doors, huh? uh, I'm Adam. As you can tell, today I am without Jim. Uh, I'm Adam Messinger, just to get that one out of the way. Um, I thought today we would talk about nothing really long, nothing super crazy, uh, just a little review over some of the stuff I've been reading. Being at a comic shop, volunteering there, I'm constantly getting, Adam, what are you reading? What do you recommend? What's good? What's what's bad? And um, I am very grateful that people think that highly of my opinion, even though it's just an opinion and it's fucking like anything else. The first thing I would like to bring up is DC Metal. I've been reading this. I read the casting. I read The Forge. And this is Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo doing their big event. Um, it's $5 an issue. Uh, don't. Just don't. There's many better things you could do with the $5 that you spend on that series each month. Namely, anything else. Anything else you could do better for $5 a month. Uh, to recap... The first issue, Justice League Megazord, Dark Multiverse, uh, Batmanium, that may be in the second issue, but I know they create a new metal called Batmanium, or Batmanium, however you say it, it's fucking stupid. So, uh, it's all nonsense. There's a lot of Snyder trying to jam together everybody else's good ideas with not an original one of his own. It's really sad and unfortunate. Capullo does some good stuff, but I mean, he can only work with what he's given. So we're two issues into that as of the current recording. It is October 2nd. I believe it's October 2nd right now. So just don't bother with that. Just save your money. Um, Another thing that is hot right now that I am really into, though, is the Batman books. We talked about Snyder and Capullo. They have a long storied uh, run on Batman with the New 52. I could not recommend more the current Batman series by Tom King, and he's had a host of different artists, everyone from uh, David Finch, Mikkel Janin, uh, Seth and Clay Mann, 
have come on and done little things here and there. Um, Ivan Race did an issue. I mean, they the series has been top-notch. Go out right now, buy the first volume, I Am Gotham. They even put out a hardcover, the first 12, 13 issues, something like that. It's well worth it. You've got two Superman-level beings who've entered Gotham, and Batman, who's prepared for everything, is not prepared for this. So you get to see him trying to protect what he sees as hope. He sees hope for Gotham in these two characters, and their character names are Gotham and Gotham Girl. So Superman... Superman? What the fuck am I talking about? Anyway, Batman meets these two characters. You find out their backstory. Psycho Pirate gets involved, and for anyone that doesn't know, Psycho Pirate is the guy with the the mask, and he hasn't been used a whole lot. He can manipulate emotions, that's his whole thing, and he looks like a checkerboard. Um... He's a pretty interesting character, and he's used very sparingly. In this, he's used to manipulate the emotions of Gotham and Gotham Girl and to drive Gotham crazy and Gotham Girl into a terrified little kitten. So Batman takes it upon himself to stop Gotham. He has to call in the Justice League. They call, they call in all the, the stops, and they eventually end up taking down Gotham, which... Batman still sees hope in these characters, and he wants to rescue that hope at all costs. So to do that, he has to go get Psycho Pirate, and he builds his own suicide squad to go to Santa Prisa, where Psycho Pirate is being held. He's being held by none other than Bane. Bane is using him as a drug, and this is volume two, I Am Suicide. So Batman has built his own suicide squad, He goes in, Catwoman is rogue, you finally see what Catwoman's doing in Rebirth, and she calls several audibles that make you think, holy shit, is she turning, what's going on, Um, and even Batman is very unsure of what she's doing. So you see that, of course Batman captures Psycho Pirate, Uh, they take him back to Gotham, which leads to Bane deciding... Yeah, I'm going to go back to Venom instead of using Psycho Pirate as a drug and fuck Batman. So he comes in to Gotham and it launches into the third volume, I Am Bane. And this is kind of, I look at this as very much a trilogy. I Am Bane has Bane come in and just fuck everything and everyone up. His whole thing is he's going to kill Batman. This is it for him. He's done with this bullshit. So he comes in to. Gotham takes out the Bat family, or at least the Robins. Batman holds himself up in Arkham and uses Arkham itself as a labyrinth for Bane to get to. So Bane has to go and pretty much fight the entire rogues gallery of Batman in order to get to Batman. And then, of course, by that time, he gets to Batman and the fight is very, it's very, it is two-sided. But there's a lot of metaphor in it to where you see what Batman's going through and what this fight means to him with the hope he sees in Gotham Girl and and rehabilitating her. And this trilogy is is really, for me, it's a modern 
classic as far as Batman goes. You've heard us sing the praises of, of Tom King on this podcast. And for me, this was the book that solidified him as a solid writer. I kid you not, this is well worth it, whether it's digitally, however you want to consume it, go to the comic shop. If you can find the back issues, good luck with that. But it's all worth the time hunting to track down. The other book I'm reading that I really love, if you're looking for DC stuff, is Detective Comics. Batman is the excellent movie that with each volume is is kind of, you know, I said the trilogy of the I Am. With I Am Gotham, I Am Suicide, and I Am Bane. Those are like three blockbuster movies. Detective Comics focuses on the Bat family, and it's a team book. It's led by Batman and Batwoman, and you have Red Robin, Oracle, not Oracle, what the fuck am I talking about? Orphan. And that's Cassandra Cain, who is the most deadliest fighter, uh, even to where Batman is scared of her, as far as a physical confrontation. Uh, and you also get Stephanie Brown, who spoiler, and then they bring in Basil Carlo. And for those of you who don't know, that's Clayface. And Clayface is easily the most interesting aspect of this because they, they're trying to train him and he gets a lot of on the job training, but they also use him in a lot of ways I had never thought of before. Uh, one thing they do is they create the mud room as a tr- as kind of like a, a danger room, like the X Men have, except it's made out of Clayface, where he creates these sentient, well, not sentient, but he he creates villains and he he runs scenarios inside himself. So it, it's pretty crazy. Uh, the James Tynan the fourth is on that book, as well as uh, it's had several different co writers. Christopher Sabella's been on it. Uh, Marguerite Bennett. I've not read an issue of that that I was just like, why did I waste my time? From the get-go, that that series is it's very intricate. It's very much the TV show to Batman's movies. I love this series simply because it focuses on each character in the Bat family that's part of this team in every story arc. Now, I don't want to spoil things as far as what happens after that with that core team. Um, I'll tell you, the first volume deals with Batwoman's father and a team that he's created, and they're built to take out the League of Shadows. And Batman thinks the League of Shadows is bullshit. So when they're prepping to use Batman tactics plus a bunch of lethal tactics... The League of the League of Shadows is gonna be nil and in Batwoman's dad's little thing that they got going on. So Batman has to jump in and, and pretty much stop this whole thing. And it leads to some really good moments between Batwoman and her dad, between Tim Drake and Stephanie Brown. You get to see how the one of the the guys in the in the I forget what they're called, but they're in this this terror essentially a terrorist group in this terrorist military organization has taken after Tim and, and really admires him almost as much as he admires Batman. Um, the series this ver- first volume really sets up stuff that even now we're talking 
gosh, it was two times a month. So we're and we're probably talking 20, 24 issues in that is still being played out. And it's very well done. It's quite intricate. And the character work is second to none out of almost any of the comics I'm reading right now. So instead of buying metal, go invest in these great Batman books. So another thing that I'm reading right now, and I will sing its praises until I die, is Walking Dead. I love Robert Kirkman and Tony Moore and Charlie Adler's world that they built up. I haven't really watched much of the TV show. I, I dropped off probably about two seasons ago. But the comic is something that I look forward to every month. And I'll read it in probably about 10 minutes. And it's probably my favorite 10 minutes in the whole week that that book is out. I cannot recommend this book highly enough either. It's very much a binge-worthy read to go through from the beginning and catch up to current I did the first, gosh, 125 issues in about two weeks, and then I've been regular ever since. It's one of my favorite books that Image is putting out, and I think right now it flies under the radar simply because there is so much good stuff being put out from not just Marvel and DC, but Image as well. And this book is... It lives up to the hype, in my opinion. There's points where you're just kind of kind of lull, and you're like, eh, this is getting kind of stale. And then I feel like Kirkman does that on purpose, so later, he, whenever he sets up this crazy plot line and pulls the trigger, you go, holy shit, I was not expecting that. He definitely lures the reader into a false comfortability, where you think the characters are fine, and the next thing you know... That character is no longer there. Sometimes it ta- they'll spend an issue on it. Sometimes they'll do it within you know a page. You see a bunch of people wiped out. Currently in the comic, they just introduced a character called Princess, who is someone that you don't know whether to trust or not. She seems kind of kind of weird, and. It, she lives all alone in a city where they realize that the cities now are deserted. There's next to no zombies in the city because there's nothing left. All the cities are desolate. In fact, it's Eugene and a couple of other people, and I want to say Jesus, they go into a city and they're trying to get supplies, and they realize, like, they start yelling, and there's nothing for miles, no walker, no anything. And so when this person, Princess, responds, they go, what the fuck? How is there even a person out here? And Princess has a pretty fun sense of humor, but it almost gets her killed in several parts because at one point she fakes like a ambush. She's like, hey, guys, it, you can take these guys as weapons. It's all right to come out. And she laughs, and Michonne nearly kills her. Because uh, they know not to fuck around. But Princess should make an interesting addition to the group, in my opinion. Simply because, from what she's shown now, she has an unpredictability that really is needed in the series. And she's fun, too. Just from this one issue. Uh, I want to say we're on issue 161. Something like that. I'll look it up later. I'll post it in the show notes what issue this is. I should know. I should be prepared going into these things, but fuck it, I'm not. 
So those are a few books I'm reading now that I really love. As far as Marvel goes, I am reading Chip Zdarsky and Adam Kubert's Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man. And this has been my favorite Spider-Man book in ages. I have not been a fan of what Dan Slott has done on Spider-Man. But, finally, a Peter Parker book without Dan Slott has arrived. Zdarsky really captures the humor in Spider-Man that I feel has has been lacking in in some areas in the Marvel U from where I do read. I don't read everything, but points where I do read, I, I feel like that his humor is there, but it's off. The only person I feel that kind of gets it right outside of, outside of uh, Zdarsky right now is Bendis. And I feel like Brian Bendis has always gotten Spider-Man at really his core. And it makes sense because his whole Ultimate Spider-Man run and all that stuff. But anyway, Zdarsky and Adam Cooper really come on. They bring back Johnny Storm and, and Spider-Man as their best friend. And they, they pick up off of this little OGN called uh, Spider-Man Family Matters or Family Values. One of the two. Again, I should be prepared. I'm not. But it picks up. It's family business is what it is. That's what it is. And it's uh, James Robinson and Mark Wade, And it's penciled by Werther Dellardara and painted by Gabriel Delato. And the graphic novel focuses on Peter Parker possibly having a sister, and he's being hunted down by the kingpin who's trying to find this jewel. Well, Chip Zdarsky decided he's actually going to play off some of those elements, and we're reintroduced to Peter Parker's false sister. And while they kind of joke like, oh, hey, hey, sister, hey, brother, whatever, uh, she's actually an FBI agent. And she's on the run right now. And Spider-Man ends up hooking her up with some crazy superhero costume. And they decide to go after Wilson Fisk when there's been some information that he's been hacking Stark phones and doing, you know, Wilson Fisk stuff. And the big surprise for me was while the movie's happening with Spider-Man Homecoming, I didn't think they were going to use Vulture and Tinkerer in these comics and sure enough, you see Tinker come come to, come out to help Phil, uh, to help Fisk, and the Tinker might as well just be this crazy fucking mech thing, because he creates some some crazy robot and Johnny Storm and and Spider Man and his sister have to fight, and I mean, it's just a lot of fun. Adam Cooper is amazing. He's I can't think of a better person I'd want to see draw Spider Man right now. And I feel like Zdarsky really gets the banter between Johnny Storm and and Peter Parker. I know that's kind of a general review, but again, it's worth checking out. Pick it up. They're on issue four right now, and that's where you see the vulture come in. I don't know what his thing's going to be, but he's back to being old man Adrian Toomes, and they actually make him look kind of threatening, which was interesting to me because I didn't think that was possible with Old Man Vulture. I'm generally not scared of frail 70-year-olds, even if they have wingsuits. So those are some of the current books I'm reading. Uh, I've been going through and reading odds and ends of just random stuff as far as like any back issue reading goes. Um, 
like I read the last, I think, three or four issues of Bitch Planet today. Um, anybody that knows me knows I fucking rave about that book. That book is so fucking good. And I I don't know why I procrastinated them, probably because, you know, Kelly Sue DeConnick and who writes it and Valentin, De, 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 Valentin Delandro, who draws it, they take forever to come out. And I think I've just kind of wanted to not have to get to the end of it. But it was really good. It's all about, I read volume two and volume two is all about female uprising and the planet they're on, bitch, it's called bitch planet, of course, is kind of a slang, but it's a prison for women. And there's this huge riot. The guy that, that is looking to design the prison finds out that his daughter has died and he's a feminist and he's all about uh, cutting the women loose and the main character ends up finding her sister in all of this. And you get to see what is set up to be a takedown of the patriarchy. And you find out the last president in charge was a woman and that they've locked her up and that they blame her for a lot of what has gone wrong with society. And they look at men in that world as the saviors. It's a really fascinating read. It, Especially when you look at, you can look at it from a surface story and see a lot of the action, and there's some good stuff there. But when you really look at a lot of the character development and the world they flesh out, they do a lot of nuanced things. They start referencing this president, uh, her name's Eleanor. Eleanor, I think Doan is how you pronounce it. And they start in plotting threads for her way early on in the book with this little cult called the Sisters of, or Daughters of Eleanor. Um, Again, things I should probably be prepared for. I got really shitty memory. But yeah, it's a whole riot thing that goes on there. And at the very beginning, you you start to see little propaganda here and there. And you just kind of view it as little side cult stuff. Kind of like, kind of like the, the, Children of Batman and fucking Dark Knight Returns, that sort of thing. I just attribute it to this little side revolution. And it turns out this side revolution becomes a big fucking thing. And volume two ends with the whole, it might as well just say the revolution is televised because you see some some major players in, in their patriarchal society get kicked in the nuts and it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. Unfortunately, I don't know when the next issue of this is coming out. And it breaks my fucking heart. I wish I knew. Kelly Sue DeConnick, I know you're listening, as Jim would say. I don't think you are. I'd like to. I'd love it if you were. I don't, I don't think you are. But please, please write scripts. Valentin Delandro, who's also definitely probably not listening. I don't know what it takes, but please draw this. Draw these scripts that Kelly Sue's writing. We need to know more, man. And there's two volumes out right now for Bitch Planet, and I can't recommend it enough. It's great stuff. Really makes you think. So if you're looking for a book that definitely challenges you as a person and some of your points of views uh, and is not the run-of-the-mill book, I would say that is something worth checking out. While I've been rambling on for about 20 minutes with different stuff, 
the big thing that I've tackled as far as back issues most recently, and this has probably been within the last month, was I sat down and read Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four and FF run. He has crafted a masterpiece with this. It ended in, I want to say, 2012, and it started in like 2008. It started during the Dark Reign era of Marvel. In fact, the first five issues of his run is a Dark Reign Fantastic Four miniseries. And you get to see Norman Osborn in charge at the time and and Reed trying to question what happened during Civil War and how they got to fucking Norman Osborn being in charge. And it really sets up the seeds for what becomes this crazy, crazy epic. I can't fucking go through the entire thing because I don't, again, my memory sucks, and I don't think I'll do it justice. But I know there's two omnibuses out there right now of it. If you go to Marvel Digital Unlimited, that's where I read it. You can get all the issues there. Um, it, it goes from Fantastic Four 574, and that's where it starts in Fantastic Four proper, and ends in... 610, I believe it's 610 or 612, and it goes from, and then it it also goes from FF1 all the way through 23 or 24. It really makes the Fantastic Four feel fantastic. You see that, that the whole core of what makes Reed Richards different than anybody, any other genius, not just in the Marvel Universe, but in the multiverse is that he cares about his family. After you've read Civil War, you're probably being like, no, this this guy's a dick, and he can go fuck himself. And in that, you see he's lost sight of what's most important. Jonathan Hickman brings that back and brings it full circle. Not only that, he cements it. You get to see not just... Ben and and Johnny and Reed and Sue, you get some really fleshed out characters with Franklin and Valeria, and Valeria's the smartest three-year-old there's ever been, and it's fun to see her figure out things and sometimes think she knows better than Dad. At one point in the run, she makes a, a deal with Dr. Doom behind her dad's back. Imagine that, a super genius three-year-old goes to Latveria, and makes a deal with Dr. Doom without her dad knowing until way later. And, uh, yeah, she got grounded for that, I think. And you get to see a lot of play with not just her, but her meeting her older self. You get to see Reed's dad, who's a time traveler, not making decisions that necessarily help in the short term, but... By the end of the run, you see where those decisions affect the long term and what makes the family dynamic work. And that at the end of the day, everything they do is for family. Yeah, they save the world, but at the same time, they're ensuring their own future. You get to see Franklin create a baby universe and use it as a training ground. They bring future Franklin in later and... It's funny because he's training his younger self, and he's also hanging out with Leech uh, of the Morlocks. He's green, and his whole thing is he's a power blocker. Uh, 
they did, Hickman does a thing at one point where uh, they need Franklin's power, and Leech is is next to him, and Leech just straight up says. He motions because he can't talk, and he says, knock me out, and that way Franklin can use his power again. And I I don't know who they're fighting at the time. I think it's uh, the Annihilation Wave. But in that, you see the death of Johnny Storm, and then you see Johnny Storm actually take a point of responsibility over the negative zone. You think he's died, but it turns out there's these bugs in the negative zone that can sew you back to life. And he ends up leading a charge out of the negative zone and back into the the main uh, the main Baxter building area. And that, that was pretty good as far as seeing Spider-Man, who at that point had taken that between time had taken his place. Spider-Man just kind of flipping out that his best friend is back. And you see Franklin and Valeria and even Ben just kind of flipping out that they're like, hey, we watched you die in the negative zone and you're alive. Not only is he alive, but he has the annihilation wave under his his control with the thing called the cosmic rod. And that was kind of what Annihilus was using to 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 control the annihilation wave. Anyhow, I I really enjoyed this run. They had art from Steve Epting, art from Ron Garney later on, uh, Giuseppe Comunicoli. Um, they had, gosh, they had they started out with Dale Eaglesham and the miniseries that kicks it all off is uh, Sean Chen. I mean, it's really a who's who of artists, and there's a lot of underrated people in there. So if you're looking for good art, it's going to be found in there. If you're just looking for... For good stories, that's awesome. That whole thing will whet your appetite for great stories. If you're looking for something complex and overarching, this really fits the bill on that because from the beginning all the way to the end, you can tell he's tethered it together and he's known exactly what he was going to do from day one, which blew my mind. There was a a one-off issue after Johnny Storm gets back. And I'm not going to spoil too much because, again, everybody needs to go read this. I know I'm rambling and kind of jumping around in what happens. But there's an issue after Johnny comes back where he moves in with Spider-Man. And that's probably one of my favorite issues because you get to see Johnny Storm just be the worst roommate of all time and test Spider-Man's patience. And while Spider-Man can defeat a bunch of villains, sometimes it's harder to live with your best friend who has annoying habits that make you want to punch them in the face. There's just a whole issue dedicated to that, that, and it cracks me the fuck up. Again, go check this out. It is highly worth it. From what I understand, and I haven't followed up too much, but from what I understand, this leads into Hickman's Avengers run, and which leads into Secret War. I've not read either of those. I plan on it very soon, though. Uh, once they release Hickman's Shield issues, because he did a he did two Shield miniseries, and the second one is waiting for the last two issues to come out. I think I'm going to read those two because I'm sure that fits into Secret War and all that. Then I'll get going with the Avengers and, and Secret Wars and all that. So that's kind of been all my reading habits of the last 
month or so and some of the books that really stood out to me. Of course, as I've said, don't read DC Metal. Just don't do it. If you have self-esteem, if you have no self-esteem, it will uh, it'll either drag that down or make you lose faith in humanity. Because DC is using this as their big event, like we'd seen with Secret Empire as an event, except this is DC doing an event, and it's fucking awful. Oh, also Morpheus comes to talk to Batman, and Batman tries to use Baby Darkseid to break into another dimension. So, yeah, fuck all that noise. This has been fun, talking with you guys. Hopefully I haven't been too incoherent. Hopefully we'll have Jim back very soon, because this is a whole lot more fun if I have another person. I like Jim. He's good people. He's actually the reason I do this podcast. That man puts in so much time outside of just chatting with me. He'll be editing this, maybe, if this ever makes it out to you guys. He'll have been the one who edited it. He's the one that puts together a lot of our topics. I mean, he does our Facebook stuff. I cannot speak highly enough of my brother there. So next time, I really would like to talk with him. And we'll figure out what we're going to talk about. Fuck if I know right now. So with that said, go follow the graphic content Facebook page. As I said, Jim runs and puts love into uh, facebook.com slash graphic podcast. Again, shit I should know that I do not. This, that's what this whole episode could be called. Uh, shit I should know, but I don't. And shit that I like that I can't remember fully. It's a little long, but we can go with it. So there's that. As far as the Facebook goes, there's Twitter, at Graphic Podcast. There is Instagram, which I'm running. I've started doing a whole spotlight on uh, women who are awesome at either art or writing or both. Just creative women. That's what I got on going on on Wednesdays. People that you should know. And hopefully you give them a follow and find find as much value in their feed and their creative corner as I do. And also, we do Midnight or Mondays. If you got submissions for either of these, feel free to PM me on the Graphic Content Instagram. GraphicContent.podcast Shit, man, I'm going to have to look again. Shit, I should know that I do not. In fact, since I'm recording this... In the not-so-high-tech graphic content studios. Oh, there we go. Yeah, graphiccontent.podcast. God, I got shitty memory. And it may be the whole one-in-the-morning thing, too. I, I don't know. There's that. You can also email us, podcast. Shit, another thing I should know, and I don't. And I gotta fucking look it up. Next time I do this solo, I'll probably not. I'll probably not do it solo again. So here we go. It is, our Gmail is, yeah, thereal.graphiccontent at gmail.com. Email us anything you want, whether it's comics you've made, comics you'd like us to talk about, subjects you'd like to talk about with us. We would definitely be open to having you on the show. Pretty much just all that shit. Uh, feel free to hit us up. I will give you high fives if I see you in person. 
So you can either follow me in person, but not too much, because that's stalking and it's fucking weird. Don't be a stalker. Or you can follow me online at Adam S. Messinger everywhere you go, whether it's Gmail, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that shit. I'm there. If you follow me, you'll see that I've lost all the hair on my face. And maybe later I'll tell you all the motivations behind that. But right now, I look fucking weird and I don't know how to deal with it. Another reason I'm glad we're not live on Facebook right at this very moment. Because my face is fucking weird right now. Um, with that being said, I'm, oh, I'm going to plug Jim shit right now. That's right, I'm plugging Jim shit. Even though he's not here. Because I love my brother. So, at Jimmers with five M's on Instagram. Jimmers with three M's on Twitter. He's talking about politics a lot. He cracks me up. Dude's actually become active on Twitter. Go follow him. Also, he's on Facebook. If you just look up uh, Jim Mason, uh, he's the one that lives in, in California, namingly the whole Stockton area, which is our HQ. So, yeah, you can find us there. Um, thank you for listening. Yes, you personally, you whose ear the sound is going in, I love you. Because you listen to this and you listen to me fucking ramble for like 40 fucking minutes about bullshit and comics. There's stuff coming out. I don't know what we're going to cover. I know Gifted, the X-Men TV show's coming out. Um, Marvel just did Legacy, their one shot that's setting up the future. There's a lot of cool shit going on right now. And I don't know what is going to come down the pike as far as what we're going to review. But keep your eyes peeled and your ears open, and when you do that, you'll be able to do a lot of things. Namingly, you'll be able to go read a comic, and after you're done reading all your comics, listen to graphic content.